Whether it was witchery, some modern science, or a demon let loose from hell, I am unable to decide. Williams Bell from an authenticated history of the Bell Witch. Who, who's there? From 1817 to 1821, an entity calling itself Kate tormented the Bell family of West Tennessee. There is still no widely accepted explanation for this haunting. Coming summer 2024 on the new hit audio drama Afflicted, the Bell Witch returns to haunt a family in 1960s Tennessee, but only if we raise enough money to pay our cast and crew a living wage. Help bring this haunting to life and snag exclusive rewards like limited edition supporter t-shirts, producer credits, and more at afflictedaudio.com support. But do it quickly. Some perks are limited only to early supporters. and welcome back to Horror Struck. My name is Cecilia. I'm Riley. Sorry, I just took a sip of water. <laughs> I like to catch Riley off guard whenever I can. I'm definitely going to sneeze. Is it going to happen? <gasps> I don't know. We've got another COVID scare in my apartment. Another one? Who has COVID? You? No. Well, who knows? Uh, <laughs> we've been... Well, I, I had a cold once I got back from my work trip. And then... Um, Lauren and Jared are about to leave on a trip, and uh, Lauren started feeling like sicky, coldy kind of symptoms, and so she took a test. But the test is very uh, inconclusive, so uh, who knows? That's not what you want. And then I took a test, also inconclusive. So it's the very faintest of line. Like you can only really see it if you shine a flashlight on it. Uh, so we don't know what that means. I don't know what that means we both took a test. Well, and it's hard to tell now because it's sinus season and the weather is changing and you guys have all the, uh, you know, prescribed burns. Yeah. So we've had a lot of smoke in the air because they're, uh, you know, we're getting into forest fire season. So they're trying to do as many preventative measures as they can. That sounds stressful. Yeah, including stalking me with a helicopter, so. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that um, you didn't get gunned down by a sniper in a helicopter because I was very convinced that that's what was going to happen. It was really bizarre. I was more concerned that they were following some sort of animal, like a bear. Mm. And you were just out there (laughs) vulnerable to the wilderness. Yeah, I I went on a walk um, on the trails near the place I live. And there was just a helicopter just kept circling and circling and circling. And I was like, what is going on? Thankfully, nothing. Or nothing that, you yeah, know, was fli- a danger to you. Yeah, the local news, like, tweeted out a picture of the flight path. Because at the time, they didn't know what was going on. They're like, we're trying to figure this out. And it was an insane flight crazy. path. I, I almost went, at one point, I was like, did someone steal the helicopter? Yeah. Oh, that would have been so much more fun. Remember Balloon Boy? <gasps> Oh, thank God he wasn't actually in that balloon. That would have been crazy if he was. I like that they just didn't teach their kid how to lie properly. Well, he was also a very small child. Like, he was, what, like six? Yeah, he was pretty young. He didn't know. 
that never never too young to learn how to lie that's my motto oh no okay well good thing you don't have kids i guess anyway segueing away from being chased by helicopters happy pride month oh thanks to me and only me not to anyone else that's right yeah get out of here only you this is only Uh. for me (laughs) um yeah, I guess we unintentionally, because uh, I was editing our Dolls episode, it wasn't supposed to come out in June, but I guess technically that was our first Pride Month movie. Is it gay? No, maybe. I don't know those dolls personally. What about Ralph? Maybe Ralph is a, maybe Ralph is a queer character. And that's why he didn't want to marry that little girl's mom. It all makes sense. I was sense. gonna say he was pure of heart, but okay. And only gay people. <laughs> Are pure of heart if you're straight if you're cis you're the devil i'm sorry let's flip it on him did you hear that no what is it the devil? uh i'll decide if i want to leave it in or not but uh so where i live because i live in arizona i live in what is called the high desert uh we're not supposed to get rain really until monsoon season which starts in like august uh we did not have a dry period this year it like went right from snow to rain I think we're about to have a thunderstorm, which I didn't even realize. The mic definitely picked it up. It was like a rumbly rumble. Uh, So if you hear random thunder, uh, it's it's real thunder. It's not for effect. Thank you, nature, for providing ambiance. Yeah, I love a good thunderstorm. I'm very excited. I wish it's just hot and humid and gross here. And it... Yeah. I hate Ohio summer so much. It's disgusting. Not fun, no. I also left my window open because it's uh, a little hot in my room. So if there's ambient sounds, uh, that's what it is. So hooray. Hooray. It's the gay gods. So what are we What are we watching first for Pride Month? Um, intentionally. Intentionally for June. A movie we like to do Pride Month chronologically through horror. So we're starting in 1942 with a movie called Cat People. Yay, Cat People! Yay, 40s horror movies for being the exact right amount of time that a movie should be. An hour and 12 minutes (laughs) is perfect. Should we talk about why we picked this movie for Pride Month? Yes. Why? Um, (laughs) This is definitely a queer-coded character, uh, but this movie came out during the Hayes Code, uh, which was i think it started being implemented right around like 1932 off the top of my head um the haze code is the haze code is really interesting period of time for hollywood films uh if you're at all interested highly recommend going to to check like look up more about it listen to someone smarter than i but it was essentially that um hollywood was very much afraid that the government was going to step into regulating movies. And so they decided to regulate themselves. And so there were, it essentially meant you couldn't have like queer characters. You couldn't have interracial relationships, uh, nothing too scandalous. 
um, not a lot of violence. Uh, it was very like regulated to uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Puritan um, society. Yeah, more of like let's keep the morals of America pure. Yeah, in quotations. They were pretty strict about stuff because there's like you couldn't. Um... It, it fucked up or maybe improved the end of Casablanca. Like, that's why those characters don't end up together. Um, you couldn't have, like, what was it? On-screen kisses between, like, couples who weren't married or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. Although I think in Casablanca's, it actually worked out in its favor. Oh, yeah, I think that's the a fact great that ending. They, yeah, it actually worked out well. I, I think as much as the Hayes Code sucked... I think we did get a lot of really interesting films out there that I don't think necessarily straight audiences would have um, accepted at the time if they had known. Like, there's a lot of stuff when you look at queer films at this time that go right over the straight audience's heads. And I think that unless you are in the community or you are very much aware of who is making the film, you might not see. I think, yeah, unless you're looking for it. And I... I think that this movie, people caught on pretty quickly from what I read about audience reactions to one scene, at least. Yes. And it was kind of explained away by the screenwriter as like, well, when you write a character as an other, people are going to kind of latch on to whatever their identity is and kind of project that onto the character. So obviously this character is going to be read as a lesbian or as, you know, whatever. Yeah, the really interesting thing from the screenwriter is that um, it wasn't necessarily the intent, at least not from the direct screenwriter. Um, the producer of this film, Val uh, uh, Val Luton, he made a lot of really popular films, but he also had a very, very direct hand in the writing of this movie. Um, he's kind of known as one of the great uncredited auteurs of the time. But the screenwriter of this film, uh, what is his name? Uh, DeWitt Bowden. He said that although he did not initially intend our main ca- character to be queer, he really likes the reading that people have put on it. Um, he thinks it makes it a lot more interesting. Oh my god, an ally. I love that. Or I don't know if he was queer or not. I didn't do enough uh, research <laughs> uh, into this person. I don't think so, but I I can't speak um, with authority on that. Um, I highly recommend that if you're really interested in queer horror and the evolution of it, there is a docu-series on Shudder, or if you have AMC+, you can get it on there, called uh, Queer for Fear. That's really, really good. Oh, yeah, that's Brian Fuller did that, right? Yeah, I started watching it. It's really good. I almost watched that last night and then just didn't do it. I did not know Alfred Hitchcock, like almost all of his films, so much gay subtext. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not surprised. I just wasn't aware of it. Well, and I know because he adapted a lot of stories by queer people. I know he did... um, the Birds and Rebecca, both that Daphne du Maurier did, and she was, like, notoriously very gay. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but we know her um, great niece, so maybe we can get some insight. Something really interesting that you talked about in Queer for Fear was how Alfred Hitchcock would purposefully cast actors he knew were gay. 
Anthony roles, Perkins so. was queer, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, giving more credit to the to the docu series, um, they actually have his son on it, and he talks about how like they when when his dad died, they lied about how he got AIDS and died. They said oh. it was like a like a blood transfusion that was. They lied because they didn't. They knew at the time it was not good for him to say he got AIDS because he was gay. But yeah, highly recommend. I'll put I'll put the link down below in case you want to look more at the show. But anyway, going back to cat people, should we? Should I do a quick summary? Yeah, what's this movie about? Uh, so this movie follows a woman named Irina, who is kind of tormented by this legend that exists. Uh, she's an immigrant. She's from Serbia, um, but in her hometown, where like the king of Serbia. Uh, <laughs> chased away all of these like witches who could transform into big cats essentially anytime they had a lot of like strong emotions especially sexual desire no kissing uh and so she is very afraid she meets a man named oliver like they hit it off they end up getting married but she refuses to like to kiss or consummate the marriage because she's like if i kiss him i will turn into a big cat and kill him and so the movie revolves around uh, their strained relationship of trying to figure things out. And at the same time, he's like starting to have a kind of side fling with his coworker, Alice. And things kind of start uh, snowballing. And their movie ends with Irina turning into a cat. And she, she ends up dead at the end. Um, and I guess you can assume that Oliver probably ends up with Alice. Um, it's very tragic. It's very sad. Well, it's sad for Irina, but it seems like it worked out pretty well for the people having an affair. I I mean, sort of, but I don't... Oliver seems pretty sad at the end. There's a line he says in this movie where he's like... He's talking... When he starts to have marital problems with Irina, he talks to his work wife slash the woman he's going to eventually, like... They don't end up doing anything, but they do end up getting married in the sequel. He tells her, like, this is the first time I've ever been unhappy in my life. Oh, God, I remember God, that. God, male privilege. Just, yeah, thought, oh, no, I'm so jealous. How has this man never experienced depression? Um, yeah, so for your first marriage to end and your wife turning into a big cat that dying, that's got to be a pretty startling. Yeah, if you've had a cushy life before then, that's got to be extremely jarring to suddenly have that kind of problem. And no way to deal with it. Yeah, and the uh, the queer coding that comes into play in this movie is through our main character, Irina. Yeah, I think you even said it uh, when we were talking earlier. It's pretty on the surface. Yeah, that's. I didn't do a whole lot of research into it because while we were watching it, it's pretty um, blatant. Especially there's a scene after Oliver and Irina have gotten married. They're at their like wedding party at the dinner reception whatever and there's a woman who they're all kind of looking at her and they're like oh she looks like a cat she seems really weird she walks over to Irina and is like oh my sister and Irina does the uh what's it called like a you're catholic what's that called the with the the wait. cross the like she does a sign at the cross yeah and seems very freaked out by her, but it, it seems like in the moment, the woman's like, oh, hey, are you a lesbian too? Are you 
because I'm like outright living like one and I can kind of see that in you. Are you my lesbian sister? And I don't know. I thought that was interesting because there were a lot of um, like actual codes that lesbians would use to identify each other in the 40s. Like I know specifically um, some women would wear like a gold ring on their pinky finger and others would get like different kinds of tattoos later on and stuff like that. Yeah, I just saw a video where someone was talking about, um, like, they would get the, I think they called it a sea star on their wrist because it was easy to hide with, like, a watch. Yeah, the nautical, that's what it's called. Yeah. There's that. There's also, like, women, um, I think it was in the 60s and 70s, would wear a watch, but they wouldn't wear the actual, like, clock or head part on the top of their wrist. They would wear it on... um, the bottom of their wrist and that was apparently also a sign there's also a whole handkerchief code and a bunch of different identifiers and i think the the scene between Irina and the woman at the cafe i think i think val luton like definitely intended that to be like queer subtext because i think the studios had pointed it out because they're like it's weird this lady's speaking in a foreign language and he was like well you know Irina's foreign <laughs> Are, yeah, do only lesbians speak foreign languages? What did that mean? I think, well, I think because of the way she says it, it seems, like, very, like, come hither. It seems, okay, yeah. Sultry. Sultry is a good, yes, is a great word for it. I don't know. Do you think that scene, like, kind of sparked something in Arena when she saw her and she was like, "Oh, oh, that could be me. I could be, like, not hiding my true self. Yeah, I guess the I guess the question is, is this the moment she starts to realize, like it's been suppressed and she kind of starts to realize? Um, there's a couple moments that you could kind of look at to be like, when is the moment that she, there's like, no turning back? Kind of, this could be one, but I I think the bigger one is between her and the the hypnotherapist when he kisses her. Okay, I have thoughts about that scene. Should we explain like why that happens first though? Yeah, who so the um, is? once Irina and Oliver start having marital problems and Irina's it's very funny because like even up to the point where they start having marital problems like I kept commenting on it. I'm like, "Wow, they're being very open and honest with each other." Like mm-hmm. up until the point where he starts to like emotionally cheat with his work wife they actually seem to have a fairly healthy relationship for the amount of time they knew each other but he recommends you should go to this either he does or alice i don't remember but um that she should go to a hypnotherapist um to kind of try to work through this fear she has he is very scummy i don't like him no um not professional whatsoever no no not only does he like make moves on her but he also shares everything in their like meetings with not only the husband which okay i guess i get to a point but alice who is like not in the relationship no and that's um because you said you didn't remember who recommended going to see him that was her issue as well is that i think oliver had been talking behind Irina's back about this issue and Alice was the one who suggested going to the hypnotherapist. And then Irina finds out, oh, she's known about all of my issues. She is the one who you've been talking to me about and felt very, um, you know, betrayed by that. Yeah, a breach of trust. They have a couple meetings and the last like meeting they have, 
he he decides like he's gonna kiss her and he does and she transforms into a big cat and kills him i think that's definitely the moment where she just realizes okay yeah i don't i don't like dudes uh the curse the way that is it it is explained by arena seems like if she has any like sexual feelings towards someone that's when she's going to turn into a cat but this is when that happens so it seems like almost the opposite where it's the lack of that desire is kind of what brings that out when she you know kisses a man and realizes oh I don't want this maybe there's something missing and maybe it's that she's gay the realization of her real desire is what like sparks the cat her coming out and then you think about all the times she turns into cats when she's around alice so that's the other other level of (laughs) is she is she jealous that alice is hitting on oliver or is she jealous that oliver is hitting on alice okay absolutely because and i understand that mindset up until very recently people have been doing like you know, actively not trying to blame the other woman. But she becomes obsessed with Alice, where she's not even paying attention to the husband or trying to, like, win him back. She's just stalking this woman now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, This movie actually has the first jump scare. Uh, So that's fun. The first ever jump scare in the world? I mean, in film. That's crazy. What is it? Uh, Is it the cat? It was... It's when, um, so there's a really iconic scene with this movie where Alice is walking alone down an alley to get to a bus, and there's a jump scare with the bus pulling up, and it's essentially the first jump scare. There's a term for it, too. It's called, um, oh, I wrote it down. Yeah, it's just called the Luton bus, isn't it? Yeah, the Luton bus, I read about that when I was, um, doing my vague research. No, I thought it was the cat. There's, um... It might have been the cat. I did jump. But it's it's during that scene. Well, I think it was before that, because that's how um, the curse comes up. Because Oliver, for whatever reason, buys this woman that he's known for a single day a whole-ass cat. And there's a scene where it, like, jumps and hisses at her. And I remember, um, because I had dropped my remote while we were watching the movie, and it skipped directly to it, and I jumped. So I'm considering that a jump scare. Very strange 40s logic. Let's get this. It is very funny that she's like, I uh, I had this big fear of like turning into a cat. And he's like, ooh, I know what to do. Exposure therapy. Here's a kitten. Which wouldn't be the worst idea if it wasn't so much responsibility to take care of a whole living thing. So it's not That's really the most considerate gift. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the 40s man. A whole different thing. The 40s men, they were acting wild out there, going to war, buying cats. I think one of the really, really interesting things about this movie is that I think Oliver is boring as hell on purpose. And Irina, who is like, I feel like in a lot of other movies, she would be the villain, Mm -hmm. is really the most interesting and complex character. And you're really rooting for her. Oh, my God. We were so disappointed by the end of this movie because the villains do logically seem like the people who is who are, you know, cheating on this woman. So, yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. She reminds me of like 
it's like the opposite of how I felt when I watched um, Dracula's Daughter. Yeah, and I think the really interesting thing is um, Val Luton, who is the producer of this, he himself was an immigrant. He immigrated from Russia with his family. He was also um, he was also Jewish, although I think his family converted to Christianity probably because they had to. So I think you can kind of see his sympathies for the other in Irina's character. And I think the fact that this movie exists at all is, like, amazing. Because the reason this movie was made was because... So this movie was made by RKO Studios, and it was made as a response to the Universal Monster movies because they were so popular. So they hired Val Luton to kind of run the horror department and they were literally just like, cat people, that's your title, pick your team, develop a movie. And this is what he chose to do. And it's so interesting. It's it's so, it's so like different and smart and clever and complex. It's really interesting to see. Wait, so they gave him just free range? They said, this is a title, yeah. create a story? They said they like workshopped a title and they're like, we really like cat people, develop a project with that title. And yeah, they did. And he said, let me put all of my own experience on this and actually make something worthwhile. Okay. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because they are very, like, they didn't spend a lot of money. Um, They actually reused a lot of sets that were already around. So if you, like, look into these movies that were made around this time, like, you can probably find the direct sets that were used on, like, from other movies. Yeah, That they just kind of co-opted for this i had read that um this was right after they let go orson wells because he had been spending all of their money (laughs) yeah and and they just left the set of um what's it called something ambersons the magnificent ambersons which i've never seen or heard of i have not either um well i've heard of it i haven't seen it but uh yeah the the whole set was left and used for this movie. And there, how many, because I know he didn't live very long, the producer who made this, but he did um, a very, like, condensed period of time. He did, like, five other horror movies, and I assume that a lot of the sets were reused in those as well. Yeah, Val Luton died in 1951. I wonder what he died of. A heart attack. Does it say? Oh. I think one of the other really cool notable things about Val Luton is that if you're a haunting fan, you really like Robert Weiss, his first movie uh, was The Curse of Cat People. Did you watch this? I know we just watched the other movie. Nope. <laughs> last night, the night before. I read over the plot a little bit. It seems bananas. That seems about right. I know um, there was the remake in 82. But I only watched the trailer, and that looked like more of an erotic thriller than anything similar to what was going on in the original. So I didn't They're just like, we're really leaning into the lesbianism in the 82 one, I think. Are they? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I don't well, know. If my choices are... Or at least the sexual tension. I, I just know that Malcolm McDowell was, I think, the hypnotist in that one, and if he's one of my choices for a romantic interest i'm going with whoever the woman is no offense i mean fair it's just a weird looking guy there's also a really good tense scene where um speaking of irena stalking alice where alice is at like a gym or something and she's ready to go swimming 
and Irina like stalks her. It's great. Yeah, even before she's a big cat, she's really good at being a cat. <laughs> I do really like the way that because there are a couple of scenes where she's stalking her, and the way that the director uses like shadows to his advantage is beautiful. The movie itself is shot beautifully. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Um, the director of this movie was Jacques... No, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking Jacques? Oh, yeah, Jacques uh, Tournay, I think. it's Fr- He's French, so I could be completely mispronouncing his last name. I think it's Torner, but I might be wrong. Good job, Jacques. Looks great. Yeah, it does. It looks really good. I like all those long stalking scenes. Um, what else about this movie looks good? The giant cat looks great yeah like when that guy gets uh, mauled to death by a giant cat god he so deserves it he absolutely deserves it i wish all of the villains of the movie would have been mauled to death by giant cats but i'll take what i can get funny i watched somebody point out the fact that oliver like orders and eats apple pie twice in this movie and i was like oh my god he's so american (laughs) he's so bland american he could have at least like put a piece of cheddar cheese on it to show that he was quirky and different. I don't want to do that. That sounds gross. I think I've had it once before and it was okay, but not necessary because it's already apple pie. Like that already tastes good. Don't fuck with it. But I think you're right. Yeah, there's nothing like extraordinary about Oliver. He's just a simp for this woman. And then the second that she won't show him affection or someone else is like no i'm in love with you he kind of flip-flops yeah he's a pick me boy so the movie ends sad because irena ends up dying after she's killed the hypnotherapist yeah thank god for that like what would the happy ending of this movie be though i don't think there's a possibility for one exactly for the time because there's no way she could have ended up with alice no and i don't think she ever would have been unless she like like gain control of her cat powers and was cool with like kissing oliver finally i guess and like without the coding and i'm trying to think of an ending um what i almost want the woman who is at the restaurant is i think alluded to be like a person affected by the curse as well and there's this other big cat that she keeps going to like the zoo or somewhere to see and that's where she ends also she like dies outside of its cage i almost wanted it to be like a her and this woman both at the end of it are just accepting their true forms or that woman already has so maybe arena goes and like hangs out with her and learns what it's like to be i don't know one of the cat people yeah because uh her also like Without the coding, her denying, like, her cat self almost seems like her denying her, like, lineage or nationality almost mm-hmm. as well. That could have so been So for her something. to, like, end up in this, like, cool cat gang would have been fun. Like a little found family kind of thing where she's like, oh, I found all the other lesbians. I'm going to learn how to live my life openly. Yeah, because they make you think that lady in the cafe is going to come back. She never does. I wish she would have. But yeah, I don't think um, for the time period, there's no way they could have had any other ending. 
because you have to have the straight, white, happy couple end up together and the lesbian, evil villain dead by the end of the movie. So I'm interested to see how the uh, 82 version ends. Well, I do like that, at least with the very sad ending, it's not like Oliver is happy. He is not happy at the end with the outcome. No, and it's fully his fault, and he deserves to be miserable. Well, it's also sort of Irina's fault for, like, you know. It's society's fault. Yeah, that's a Just better Just let her be a cat it. and murder her husband when they kiss. Uh, well, yeah, he was boring. That's fine. He's not bringing anything to society. You can kill him. Those are, I think those are all my thoughts, though. Yeah, there's not a lot uh, that we can dive into because really, truly, this is all pretty surface level. It's subtext, but it's not that hard to read between the lines. Yeah, we're in the shallow end right now, the pool. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's do ratings. Uh, what is your general rating? I would give this probably a four out of five. I think if Mm, not for, yeah, that like forced ending and unfortunately uh, Irena dying, I I just, I think it could have been more interesting had it ended differently, but I do think it's a really good movie. It's shot really beautifully. The acting is good. Not, not a lot of complaints. Yeah. This is a classic for a reason. Uh, Four out of five for me. Um, What's your horror struck rating? Oh, a one. I mean, it, it's a horror movie, sure, but it's also not scary. Yeah, mine's the one. Yeah, that's fair. Homophobia is scary. Homophobia is scary. I guess what we need to do now is figure out uh, what we're going to watch next. We're doing The Lost Boys next, and we didn't just Ooh. decide that seconds ago. We have a whole list of movies, so it's uh, just, just just trying to decide what we think. There's um, a lot we of stuff do. that I want to talk there's about. There's a lot and of queer hard. horror, and there's only four uh, Wednesdays in June this year. We got lucky the past couple and had five. Joel Schumacher, he's gay. He loves he right? loves his queer subtext. <laughs> I think even when he doesn't mean to make things gay, they just come out gay. Well, I think I've only ever seen, at least on purpose, one other movie that he did. And what is it called? I think it's called Flawless that um, Robert De Niro and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman were in. And it's like very gay on purpose. It's about like a drag queen and a bigoted cop and stuff. So I'm really interested to see like when he's not trying to incorporate those themes, how it just sort of you know, inherently shows up because he is a gay man. And like, that is obviously it's hard not to put your experience onto your own art. So I'm excited. Yeah. I also didn't realize he died. What? Was that in 2020? He died in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I I just didn't realize. Well, you've seen, have you seen St. Elmo's Fire? No, I know that my mom likes that movie and I've heard it's The Batman movie? Batman and Robin? No. Batman Forever? No. Phantom of the Opera? Yes, but only because I think you made me go see it. <laughs> probably. With you. Probably. Yeah. Phone Booth? Phone Booth? No. No, you don't remember when Phone Booth came out? So I never saw it, but I remember it coming out. Guy in a phone booth? Or the number 23, the oh. one where Jim Carrey goes crazy seeing all the numbers? I have seen that one. I guessed the twist from like the very beginning. I thought it was so boring. But no, I have not 
seen a lot of his films. I've not seen The Lost Boys, and I always get in trouble Me for either. that with other horror fans. I know there's some kind of like music number in it, I think, where someone plays Ooh. the saxophone. And I, I know... didn't realize The Lost Boys was queer, but to be fair, a lot of vampire it's stuff is. It's hard not to be so... a queer vampire. <laughs> you gotta try really hard not to be queer when you're a vampire. Yeah, because a lot of vampires are very just fluid. I think because nice. they're so sexual, they're very open to whatever happens. Good for them. But yeah, I, I don't really know much about The Lost Boys, except... I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Well, it's one of those movies that I'm like, oh, I need to watch The Lost Boys, and then I just forget about it. That's fair. It's like The Goonies. Like, I could, I bet if I actually sat down and watched all The Goonies, I would probably like it. But I've just never felt the real urge to sit down and watch it. No, that's one I haven't seen either. And I'm just afraid that there are some movies that I don't have nostalgia for. And I don't want to, like, be a naysayer and watch them at 30 and go, oh, I didn't like it because I'm not 10. I don't know. It seems like right up my alley, though. Treasure hunting. Sounds like fun. Could be. But yeah, this should be interesting. The only thing I know about The Last Boys is that the, the Corys are in it, and the Kiefer Sutherland's in it. That's all yes, I know. The Kiefer Sutherland is in it. The I can Kiefer Sutherland. His bleach blonde mullet. Yes. So, it'll be fun. Come back. We're going to talk about gay vampires. Yeah, come back. And that's going to be it for this week's episode of Horrorstruck. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorStruckPod or over on Facebook at HorrorStruckPodcast. And guess what, guys? We're on Patreon now. So if you want to support us and to become part of our horror family, click the link down below. And as always, stay spooky. Bye! Bye! Bye!